revision.io. Welcome again to the ones that didn't hear me before. Um, we are going. To, this is a fishbowl, and uh, the goal of this session is to be very collaborative, very like with with everyone have, uh, sharing their opinions, asking questions, and we'll be here in the center for uh, a few minutes. But we want you to come in as well. If you want, just tap on the shoulder of someone. That person will leave, and then you'll uh, you'll occupy their space, and you will be able to. Um, make your comments, ask questions. So please make sure that you do. We don't want to have just a conversation between the two of us or even the four of us. We want to have as many people as possible here uh, sharing opinions and um, with us. Um, so I will uh, start by, I would like to share a quote with you um, and, and let, I will read it to you. This is a quote from a Nigerian author of the We All Should Be Feminists. It's like an amazing book that I, I highly recommend. And in the book, she, she says a, 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 a sentence that I really, uh, really resonates with me. She said, like, your, uh, your fe feminist per premise should be, I matter. I matter equally, not if only, not as long as. I matter equally, full stop. And it's very important, and that the, the reason that I brought this um, quote here to get thi things started is because, on one hand, we we are all different, and we all approach the topic of gender from a different, uh, a different with a different approach, a different background. Uh, even Natalie and I, we, when we first uh, talk, we really have very different ways of approaching the same topic, and it was very interesting, uh, interesting to see like. We, we all have, the, we, we are going to have a conversation and each one of us will bring a little bit of ourselves to the, to the discussion. And I want, and the reason uh, I brought this quote is because all, all opinions matter and we want to hear as many, uh, as many as possible. So please uh, join us in this conversation about gender. And to, gi to give you a little bit of background on myself and why I'm here, I have been working for the past 10 years in mainly, and that's my background and that's my, my approach to, to this topic, in mainly trying to see how we can attract and, and, and basically make sure that more women get um, to, uh, to leadership roles in the job market. So I'm all for equal pay, equal opportunities, and I have been launching a number of initiatives that goes from small events to big ones to different tools to uh, allow more women to have a to be to be in the table uh, in terms of job market, so I, I launched the Portuguese Women in Tech, it's like a community in Portugal where I'm where I'm from and based, where we do a lot of work to one attract more women to technology, because that's where lie some of the biggest opportunities in the world. And the second one is um, how can we make sure that these women not only are great at what they are doing, but they can raise to the top of their profession. So this is like this this is my approach to. Uh, this topic, and I think we'll have the chance to keep on um, talking about it in the next hour. So I will now ask Natalie to introduce herself and to talk about a, a bit, a, a little of, of a performance that we will be doing. Cool. Okay. So thank you, Ines. Um, my it doesn't really matter about my background. All that matters is that we're here today. And what I wanted to do is instead of thinking about it from like a digital perspective is more like centered in the corporeal, in the body-based practice. That's 
kind of a practice that I'm coming from. So I want to invite everybody to come in to the center of the circle. There's two different kinds of clay here. You can pick whichever one you like. Um, one's a little more wet, so it's a little bit messy, but it does dry off your hands quickly and can just like brush it off. But if it grosses you out, there's another one that's a bit more dry. But I just wanted to invite everybody to come in and pick a piece of clay for themselves so that you can take something physical in your hand. Um, if you find it hard to take off, I, like last minute, sorry, I just have some dental floss you can use to cut the clay. There's no fishing line, it's a bit uh, DIY, lo-fi. Use what you got. And if you want, you can also take that past that one around the circle, or it's up to you. And whilst everybody's doing that, um, I just want you to, I want to invite you to feel something other than yourself in your hand and something tangible, uh, something malleable, uh, something that actually holds memory. Uh, clay holds memory. There's only so long you can work with it before it stops holding shape because it's holding the memory of the touch. And like our bodies, we have connective tissue inside our bodies called fascia and it's similar um, to clay and it holds lots of memory and trauma and where I'm coming from is kind of maybe looking at the trauma and the patterns of memory and the patterns of memory that are established by systems and the patterns of memory that carry through intergenerationally and the systems that we continue to perpetuate and why, and maybe asking questions about why we continue to perpetuate the same systems. And when I was thinking about this panel, um, I thought about uh, someone who I've been really obsessed with lately, Sarah Ahmed, and she's an amazing writer. If you don't know her, I recommend trying to read some of her work. Um, but she was working a long time in lots of institutions and then um, in universities and she recently quit because she got invited to work in the institution as a diversity worker and she got invited to change the system which is what she thought she got invited to but what she got invited to do was to be the face of diversity which meant that she couldn't actually change anything because she was just the face of diversity not actually the person invited to make changes so the system even though they had invited her to be a diversity worker didn't actually want to change anything about the system and she has a really cool blog called Feminist Killjoys um, and I highly recommend you checking it out. And she posts lots of her um, uh, speeches on there. And from one of her speeches that I recently saw, she uses an analogy to paths and to paths well-trodden and to paths less well-trodden. And I guess today and maybe something that keeps perpetuating this conversation is the fact that we somehow keep walking along the same path. And I'm wondering if we could... Um, diverge somehow or if we could open the conversation up to think laterally and instead of like looking at something that we all understand and can go for and like reach up towards maybe we fall backwards like into a void or something that we don't know what's coming and we can reach out laterally and grab things but that um i'll just use like a little thing from the website uh from the 
um, speech from Sarah Ahmed and it's just like one tiny excerpt from it but it gives you a bit of an idea and it says used paths have many stories to tell a path can appear like a line on a landscape but a path can also be a route through life collectively it can be acquired as direction the more a path is traveled upon the clearer it becomes a path can be cared for kept clear maintained so I'm wondering how we can go along the less well-trodden paths and make those clear and make more supportive networks of kin, uh, thinking maybe along the lines of Donna Haraway or uh, community, like going out into our own communities and where do we go from here? Where do we, like, what do we do with the tangible stuff? How do we make it more tangible? How do we, like, have more conversations and kind of build a web that starts here or maybe it's already started with you but like continues out as the ripple effect but it is actually tangible it's something you can touch and it's not like just an idea but it's a path that's being trodden and maintained and cleared yeah so to comment so I guess from now we want to open up the conversation so people are welcome to come in and in a in a in a way to make this um inclusive for everybody because I assume that you want to be here since you're here that um, Inesh and I will also step out and uh, everybody can also step in so please feel free to start from here and um, yeah I guess but I can based on what you were saying I can continue I think you mentioned something that's very very important as about systems and how hard sometimes it is to change the system and how harder again it is to I think we sometimes we understand and a lot of organizations and institutions understand on a like superficial level then they should actually make a difference or they should actually change something about uh, about them that's why they have the diversity and inclusion programs that's why they hire people to focus on those topics but the reality is these systems don't want to change they want to be the same as they are and they have some kind of like external or extrinsic um, reason why they, they they know that they need to change but then in the end they don't feel like changing and i see a lot of that in companies in um, uh, in uh, like more bigger uh, bigger and smaller organizations where I'm, I'm asked a lot of times to go there and have have conversations about these topics and all they, they all keep saying that they want to communicate that they are doing something they want to communicate to usually to for hiring purposes purposes they want to communicate that they are diverse uh, they are they have a diverse workforce they are very inclusive but the reality is not is, is rarely the, basically the, that what usually happens is like it's just like a, a, on the surface and then underneath they keep on making like the same um, but they keep on making over and over again the 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 the, the same the small discrimination of like small micro like the microaggressions where women are there women believe that they they have equal access or like other kind of minorities believe that they have equal access but the reality that's uh, that that's uh, that's that's not the case so I think 
that's actually something that, um, and uh, one thing that I didn't mention in the beginning is like, it would be very interesting to have by the end of this hour to have like small, like small but very actionable steps that we can all take in our organizations, in our lives, in the small communities that we are part of, that we can like wh where we can make a difference um, in b building more diverse and uh, inclusive like uh, communities and workplaces. So for sure, the topic of systems change is very important, and I rarely see people actually wanting to change the system, and when they do is always because of extra, uh, uh, external reasons, not necessarily because they feel they should be changing. Thank you. Um, picking up on that, because I was wondering at what point it's probably the easiest to change the system, and maybe already in a corporate world, like when everybody's grown up and sort of already has the system inclined into himself or herself, um, I guess it's quite difficult. So or that's themselves. why. Um, yeah, or themselves. Or itself. Or yes, exactly. And um, so I was wondering, like, um, because I had this uh, idea of sort of creating uh, better sexual education on a very, like, at the school level, because I think that is sort of where you have to start redefining gender roles and also sexuality for pupils, because when I remember my school time, what I learned was how to use a tampon and that tutti frutti condoms are the most horrible thing in the world but that was about it and I had no sort of education on my body and how my sexuality works and that women can have orgasms and stuff like that that was just never talked about so I would just be very interested also in the panel or the circle if you could share some experience of your own sexual education maybe and like how we can really imp improve this in order also to change our perspective on gender and sexuality I think that's super interesting point like I'm studying sexology at the moment and that is like a big part of the conversation um, and sexual education is not only like in the sex ed class it's not only like talking about how that actually spreads out to different areas of life and educating people about like gender sitting or like gender being a social construct in the first place and how to actually treat people and looking at sex as pleasure rather than sex as like a heteronormative situation of like a male penetrating a female or like a person with a penis penetrating a person with a vagina and then like putting a condom on that and that's sex education that was it for me and my teacher just like stood up the front of the class and was like the boys were playing up in the back of the room and she was like I've had more sex than you've had baked dinners and everyone kind of got a bit awkward and then that was the end of the class like it's quite a interesting um, opportunity to start to educate people about how to just be and then yeah I don't know I think that's like a really nice starting point uh, definitely, because um, well, in my background a bit, I work with uh, some of the stuff we're putting up here today and thinking about like patterns and patterns we are repeating and constantly looking like for what is the glitch on the pattern, like what can we change that then we're like, how far back must we go to change a little thing that we can have a ripple effect to the point that where we are now, we have gone uh, moved away from like a binary hierarchical structure of power, for example. Like, um, you know, I really see all these things such as, you know, sexism, miso uh, transphobia, misogyny, homophobia, classism, racism, all of these things is like, a, is like a malware. So it's like a line of code that we got in and it gets triggered. So where things are getting triggered. 
And I keep on tracing back and tracing back and tracing back. And the further back I, I trace, I end up in um, desire, for example. I end up in how we are understanding uh, what we call the feminine or the masculine and all of these aspects. So I think like it's really important what you brought up about sex because I feel like this is one of the things that begin interfering a lot. Like when we meet someone, for example, I say... You shake someone's hand and first four seconds you're like, will I want to fuck this? Will this want to fuck me? If we fuck, this is, a, is this a problem? What am I falling in love with this? And like, literally, and then from that moment on, you, <laughs> you proceed with however you're going to relate to that person. So, and, and, <laughs> and there was all these structures of power hidden in that as well. Like to go further from, you know, the person with the penis penetrating or not is like, who's penetrating? Who's not? penetrating so what is the passive and actually that helped me trace it to the problem of the demonization of whatever we consider to be the feminine so it's like it's one side of the coin of the toxic masculinity so it's very important to go back to go all the way down to the how we are understanding ourselves and this very primal place of the relationship because for example there if you start with oh my god i can't get penetrated by whatever whoever i'm not even going to put gender on this because it's ridiculous let's get rid of this shit now <laughs> i know talking gender politics let's let's just get the, the gender out of it it's like what what is it so bad about being in a vulnerable position why is it so bad? Is that, is that bad? Because like in heteronormative, cis heteronormative society, like the people that are assigned female at birth or identify as women or femmes are in that position of the passive, right? A place there. So yeah, you're supposed to act on the passive, make yourself smaller, do everything kind of cute. You know, it's like you have to like not be too threatening. And, and this ends up making people with that being assigned whichever gender, according to doctors, to make themselves either small or too big or too violent or less or, or all of these things. And, and so I'm really glad that you brought this up. <laughs> I just wanted to throw this out there because I really need to think about this. I think it's time we stop, uh, demonizing whatever we associate with the feminine urgently. The femphobia, femphobia situation is fucked. And the sooner we can let go of the word femme, feminine and mask and masculine, the better. Like. I want yeah. to say this, something to this because this is definitely where I think about things a lot because I, I kind of explore this in the intellectual space in more of a physical dimension and also try and do a lot of meditation around these ideas of masculinity, femininity, where it's just come up in many different formats in different cultures and whatever, which I find very interesting because one is very much in the physical and one is kind of exploring a dimension that's not really a physical dimension that's to do with the cosmic opposites that happen in the world, which... I think relate to uh, say again cosmic? the cosmic opposites, you know, like the the, the positive, the negative, the the masculine, oh, okay, okay. whatever with the yin, the yang, whatever we want to call them, mm. not necessarily man or woman, but these two mm. forces that exist that I personally think exist in every single person that we can, you know, manipulate to our own desire, which to me mm. creates gender. But mm. I I kind of come here with the I kind of want to understand from a group of people how people can style reconcile the kind of physical aspect of gender, how we express ourselves physically in the physical world, in a society, in a system, versus how we can start moving the conversation mm. into the deeper levels about discussing either no how ones. we redefine... Because if I, if I, without yeah. wanting to interrupt, but interrupting no, just because you brought it to as two powers, yeah. I think that's another big problem that we have, because we're seeing everything as two. 
So it's polarization, right wing, left wing. But the, the feminine, the masculine, yin and yang, never meant feminine and masculine. The, the yin and yang symbol is meant to be spinning. It's a sea of grays. And the black side of the yin and yang has a drop of white. And the white side of yin and yang has a drop of black. So if we're going to go on the cosmics, it's like there is a, there is a myriad of nuances, just the same way of course, that somebody is assigned male at birth is a myriad of nuances. The Let's just conclude. Yeah. And the assigned female at birth is a myriad of nuances. And just the way I see it very simply and purely is there is a box of things, like imagine it's like a large box of like traits, like, and you can chuck traits and aesthetics and body parts and, uh, you know, makeup, clothes, whatever in there. And they don't belong to anybody in particular or any energy in particular. We assign them. In the end of the day, we are being gendered by people. We are being assigned gender by people. We are assigning gender to things and to people when none of these items are inherently of either binary box. Like I, I just think that when we start having this conversation about, you know, fuck the binary, there are no binaries. I, I don't look at them as binaries. I think binary is like, you know, you have a tap that is hot and cold. This is a binary, you know, that you're using these two binary ideas to find something that obviously is not going to burn you. But there's a, there's a reason why we use these two binary things to create a system that is going to help people. But it's a functioning so, though. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just making an example. And also, for example, a coin, like I see masculinity and femininity like a coin. We're, we are the coin. We're not one side of the face of the coin. I just think right now in the current debate around gender that it's very much about the physical. And I think this is enforced by politics, enforced by identity politics, enforced by social media, that it's all about how I look gendered, not how I feel gendered. And I feel like we can discuss the nuances of what masculinity, femininity, yin and yang, all of these things mean. I think this is a very important debate to go into. But I think that right now, because of the situation of our society, we are very stuck in the, in the physical, in the superficial, on the surface of the coin and not seeing the deeper elements. I just want to explore this space. Yeah, because it's yeah. it's often a lot um, by how we feel is dictated by how we're seen by others. So, like, this assignment comes in with, like, how we become what we are in the gaze of others. So, the, like, these structures that we're talking about, I think that, um, I mean, even conceptual structures of, like, binary or, like, the third thing in between, the space between two things, like, wouldn't it be great if they're were structures that could undo this like really, really, really systemic conditioning that like then comes a point when you need you need to like dissolve it in order to find the cosmic the cosmic space between yeah. um, categories of Can I just say something quickly to that and I give someone else a chance to talk. I just wanted to so I, I agree with what you said. I think that we need to deconstruct, and I think feminism has been very important to deconstruct things within the social constructs of these kinds of things, and also gender politics right now. But I don't feel like there's much talk about constructing, and I feel like think, thinking about these things and having a deeper conversation is important so that we can bring something to the table and say, this is how we want society to be. This is how we see femininity, masculinity, instead of constantly deconstructing, deconstructing, because this creates chaos, and we need to somehow create something from this chaos, you know? We need to create some kind of new order or new idea rather than constantly deconstructing. I don't know if this is helpful. I mean, I could be wrong, but this is what I feel. Could I? I just wanted to add that um, something that's very important to mention in this case is not just whether people, the, the issue of identification, but also of socialization. So, like, the biggest pattern that also has to be deconstructed, not thinking in a, in a kind of practical way, like, uh, it's that 
as female socialized people, there is very few uh, little access to power, to the notion of power. And power is seen as a patriarchal structure usually, which is demonized. And so therefore there is a very common tendency that I as a woman do not want to deal with this because this is patriarchal and it's masculine and something I don't want to like go to. And actually this is one of the biggest issues. I see it a lot in the artistic context as a lot of friends who are female socialized, maybe not even female identifying, but female socialized. And there's always this lack of entitlement, lack of entitlement to your voice, lack of entitlement to your work, to your art, to, to actually say what you want to say, go for it and trust it. And this is something that's not spoken a lot about because there has been also like this binary of like um, power and being like exploiting power as a masculine trait then there's this fear that if I am powerful I will become this kind of person that I despise and which is actually what is ruining the world whatever but actually this is a logic that has I feel has to be really and I'm thinking about structures of how to dismantle this like whether it being doing dominatrix workshops or actually going through sexuality through desire actually acknowledging your will your desire and then tuning into it not as a negative and a bad thing not with a fear that you will like um, hurt others or that you will and I feel a lot of times nowadays like there is a lot of potential in thinking of desire sexuality BDSM etc it's a culture that can actually Definitely. somehow be an entry point into this owning of, of your own power I'm gonna take from what you're saying and go back to what you're saying about deconstructing and the chaos I am a I love the chaos I think that part of the problem also that we have is we have a massive fear of the unknown. And in the fear of the unknown, under a patriarchal structure that everybody's like being brutalized and doesn't know how to deal with the news. So a lot of the population, especially those assigned male at birth and socialized in that way, therefore brutalized, like don't feel anything, don't hug anyone, don't cry, react with what? With violence, because that's the only option. So when you're seeing change, you react with violence. Like this is so common, most of this. but. I feel like, yes, we need to, the, to be fully peeling apart, deconstructing, uh, like depolarizing, like going to nuance deeply and really understand that it is, uh, we have compartmentalized things into two things. And also look at the aesthetics of, because like this, what you're bringing up also is very important. Like, oh yeah, what is the aesthetics of power? We have this idea that to be powerful is to be super like, horrible to each other like again reflecting the psychopathic behavior this patriarchal structure when actually placing yourself in a vulnerable position say of the passive position getting fucked in the ass is very fucking powerful to everyone <laughs> just want to put this out there like receive that's the real strength it's like i choose to receive it's not like i'm gonna write you and oppress the fuck out, like, whatever, like, whatever you want to read into it it's fun a topping as well you know but <laughs> i was just saying looking at the signifiers of this because what they brought out is really really important and another so to something you put on like what we can do i guess was you right for example one of the strategies for me is like this so one is like always trace back so I, like i call this like deprogramming and self-scanning trace back where your desires come from it's important, super important to deco deconstruct your desire. Number one, it's like stop. Oh, my identify as a like. I particularly like I am non-binary, but I'm pan. Da, da, da. So my norm, I'm already kind of in the far end. If I was like I'm a cis girl, had heterosexual, it's like. But what if you're falling for someone that's not in a body that you? No, you know, give it a chance. You know, maybe you decided that you're gay, but then like you're attracted to somebody that happens to have a vagina and is a bit butch, but they are pulling your strings. Go check it out. So the other thing is that they, like I go by they and them, I go by so-called gender neutral pronouns. One of the reasons is, first of all, it, get, it gets me more comfortable, but there's, there's a strategical side to this and there's a thing about triggering. 
our brain is triggering. Like we get triggered into our behavior all the time. So every time you say she to me, all the conditioning I've received from being assigned female at birth pops up and I've been fighting against the shit forever because I don't want it. And I don't identify as a guy either, so he doesn't work. And when I also say they and you're looking at me as a they, it puts a filter up. It kind of tricks, it kind of destabilizes at least a little bit. Like, so it works as a filter. If you can't deal with it, you move away from me. That's great. I don't spend energy. If you are curious, you are seeing me with a filter that not necessarily you're like, oh, you have tits and long hair, but you're not so androgynous, but oh, you're a they. Okay. So, okay. Just I'm going to pass, I'll on this pass mic. the mic, um, along in a second, but just, um, to follow through with the in favor of, um, chaos and mess, um, and, how to find strength and vulnerability and softness, like um, just to bring the work of Donna Haraway into the circle and, and staying with the trouble and how we can find new knowledge in complexity and in messy situations and not, I, I mean, th this this idea of, um, of new construction, um, I'm not sure if it's, I don't know if it's the most helpful strategy in this current climate of, um, <laughs> of gender politics. I just want to bring this conversation back to the title of the, the talk, like gender and politics, because this is where I feel we can deconstruct and talk about gender politics in, as, as, a, as its own thing for forever. You know, I'm sure everybody has a different opinion on this. But I think right now what's happening, I mean, we can see around the world, you have Bolsonaro, you have Trump, you have Brexit. There is, we're not, we're not the, the matriarchy or the feminism is not winning. It's losing in a lot of places. Uh, can I bring my experience inside? Okay, first desire. Desire, I think, is just communication. You know, you have a desire can be hard for you to upset it. Also, like desire, upset this desire, this thought I have in my mind. But in the moment we communicate, I can communicate to you my desire. I think it's, everything is getting easier for everyone, for you, for me, for the people watching us, for everyone. And I think feminism in this moment is not um, winning, or like it's not really winning. Well, there's winning. a problem, I think, that we all need to because kind they of want to fight. identify. They yeah, want yeah. to fight. Yeah. I think, like, for example, you told us um, feminism against uh, patriarchy, you know? But in a way, I feel is a way to create a new matriarchy, you know? Yeah. And Could I just say one more and, and, thing? And this, it happened, like, I, I see a lot of aggression from feminist girl just for, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I, I am not able to be without T-shirt. They are not able to be without T-shirt, so I am not able to be without T-shirt. I, I, I got... Huh? I, I got slapped in the face from a girl because... Uh, because, for example, like she was not able. Just for a moment. Uh, one thing that the um, this thing that you're talking about the t the T-shirt. If I heard the story correctly, it's uh, uh, there have been parties where there are gender non-conforming people that have been assigned female at birth, which are not girls, that are uncomfortable with having breasts, and uncomfortable with their top situation. They don't, they can't afford top surgery. So they don't feel comfortable taking it their tops off. That, but I'm saying that's what I heard, you know. So uh, this is one of the things that has been going on. So like out of asking for empathy, maybe like, not let's not be. But then, uh, then I'm not saying I agree or I disagree. It's like I'm just trying to look at the situation and see that. Mm -hmm. But to say one thing, to say that 
people that are identifying on the femme spectrum or assigned female at birth are being aggressive by being assertive mm -hmm. is uh, like that's that's like like this is a gendering like it's a big problem of gender there whereas we are never really like here as a person as assigned female at birth using the tone of voice that I use were I in a body assigned male at birth this tone of voice and firmness in speech would never be seen as aggressive I just want to put this out there and nobody that I understood here at least is mentioning a matriarchy. I'm going to bring it to Bolsonaro because I'm here Brazilian, right? And gender politics. Do you know what elected Bolsonaro? Misogyny. But let me deliver in the place of speech as I am from Brazil and assigned female at birth. So let's do this, right? This, like that, and non binary. So, um, what happened there? We actually saw an aesthetic war, and that was seen also in America, the way Trump got elected, right? It's this thing of, uh, we go back to everything that was being said here before, and I, I will drop this mic and give it to you and go sit over there, because I think I've, I've taken a lot of space and time here right now, but just because you brought up Bolsonaro, I'm going to say this. What I liked about Bolsonaro was the medium, uh, as like a cis man in Brazil, and the cis women a lot, like, uh, with their internalized misogyny. The only... Uh, authority that they can recognize is this tone of voice because I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna fix it out okay and it's not even making any sense like I'm talking right now it's just a tone of voice it's like a gaslighting situation when they, they, they people scream to destabilize you and then you just cry and then whatever <laughs> so they win in the tone of voice but this is exactly what happened these guys that are feeling like they're losing position to an imaginary matriarchy just because they're losing privileges when they see trans people when they see femmes when they see like queer people taking space when they see people of color Anyways, these guys, they are like, I am going to vote for whoever has got the strongest voice. They were not voting for Haddad. Why? Haddad soft-spoken. He's well-educated. He was being read as a person that has no position, that, that would just be like some teleguided puppet to Lula. So this is a thing. And the women, the cis women, a lot of them voting for what they have at home. Their very oppressive husband that screams at them. And that is the authoritative voice. And I saw that in my family. I lost my fucking family to this. I saw both my sisters and my brother vote for this. And my brother is extremely right-wing, extremely sexist, homophobic, everything. So I, I'm saying, like, I had, a, I had a, like, a research group in my fucking WhatsApp group, Family Home, which I left, by the way. So I hope uh, I had contributed. <laughs> and I'm now sit the fuck down because I took so much space. There you go. It's fine. No, I, I have my flatmate is also Brazilian, and his family voted against uh, to basically to kill him. Also, so I, I was living this in real time too. But my issue, my my kind of observation of these things, what I was wanted to mention, Bolsonaro, Trump, all of these things to do with politics, is because I feel like these people win because they create the other. And I think when we enforce, when when we enforce identity, we automatically create the other. When you say I am this, then there's somebody else who is an other. And basically, this is this is fine, and we need to do this to discover who we are. But what happens right now is politics, analytics, all of these things take this identity and take this and they exploit the other. And that's what happens when these people get elected. So we need to find a way, personally, I think, to tread this very carefully, identity, and to de-identify or not to take it so seriously that people can exploit it because that's where we lose. And I think Bolsonaro and Trump and Brexit, Remainer, Lever, you know, you're splitting people into two categories. This is what is exploited in politics and it's happening in gender too. 
with all of the labels that we give ourselves, they're exploited. When, the, when clickbait media comes onto an, on, on your page and is exploiting your emotional response based on your identity, you click on that and that serves other people's interests. So I, I just think that this conversation needs to go into that domain to discuss how do we strengthen ourselves within our identities but also be uh, like fl flexible enough with them that we don't get influenced and get like, um, what's the word? Hijacked, basically. Yeah. Because if we keep enforcing, you know, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, you are that, then we're just enforcing their game too, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because then somehow it creates like disparities and disruptions and there's agitation within the community that needs to also be gathering together and creating conversations. Like we're not all going to agree. Actually, everybody's different. And I think that that's the one thing that we can agree on that everybody is fucking different we are not the same and there is no way to categorize people even though we have been categorized and socialized our entire lives to a particular thing and the pushback against that right now is such a it's it's not being heard by the so-called like opposite or right wing or the other side and so i guess maybe on a less personal um level how do we access or penetrate or agitate at the level that we need to to get a more diversity more diversity and more inclusion and more um is listening to the rights and the rights of people and creating space for mm. that to actually be heard rather than like this is super important each other hey sorry yeah hey uh, hello, hi, I'm Dragan. I'm a psychologist and change manager for the cultural and uh, on the business level. So I have heard so many nice things that I feel welcome to tell also something about it. I am somebody who is born male, uh, but what does it mean? I never knew uh, anything about it because I was raised by Jesuit monks in Croatia in a church as you as you know there is a lot of things what you hear how do you have to be how to behave and etc and when I left to Croatia from Croatia I came here to um, to Germany and started working as an organizational psychologist and I've seen there are so many topics that need to be discussed uh, about politics about uh, equality and etc and I felt that I need to um, to do the work that I do because it is necessary to give a voice and uh, this voice is uh, a voice of diversity to be the unicorn in the <laughs> in the in the company who everybody first stare at but who is having a voice which is uh, self-confident and I have um, uh, felt and experienced as long as you have something to tell and if it has arguments everybody is willing to listen even to this exotic uh, opinions so um, yeah so I really really feel the only thing that I want to tell is our power is being different and our power is giving communication giving the voice of I am different and it's great. There is a big, big power in thinking different, behaving different, feeling different. Because on the basic of individuality, we are all single unicorns who needs the space to live and who deserve to be lucky and happy.
Thank you. I said I was going to sit down, but I just need to say two little things before I go, and I swear I'm going to go. One is to you, <laughs> Chris. Uh, I, I fairly, nobody, like, we didn't, nobody said our names, right? So, like, Sibeli, hi. But, uh, yeah, they, them, here. Yeah. I just like, um, but, uh, the thing of the Bolsonaro, I got really triggered <laughs> emotionally there, <laughs> and uh, like full on. And um, but the reason why I ended up tracing back to the problem of the demonization of the feminine or the side of the coin of the toxic masculinity, as like it's the thing that's like upholding fascism, basically. If you trace everything that's been said here, so this is why we're talking about what we're talking about is definitely very political and talking about doing away and looking at the and, and the traits and aesthetics and categories and like it's like pulverizing everything it's part of it because like we need to find a way of like coming to this place of inner connection and to go back to natalie before i sit down very important what you said because like uh, what's happening here is great i like we're all sitting together and there's people of all kinds you know like assigned you know unicorn in the moon and everything and the thing that we need the thing to work together in this community everybody's interested in this is stop redistribution of violence <laughs> this is one thing that we can effectively do it's like who's familiar with redistribution of violence here the concept can i say so can i say to you something one thing like i feel in a point that uh, i haven't finished i'm I dyslexic know, I know, I know, but, but if I you, when you stop i lost i lose the thing and then it's fucked because then i'm gonna speak for 10 hours and before i get to the point i'm really sorry need just to bring that one up. So the redistribution, redistribution of violence is like when, for example, let's say I see you and I see that you say, oh my God, but you're passed as a cis man out there. And I give you shit within the community because you passed as a cis man. That is redistribution of violence. It's like me with my lack of privilege next to you because of the shit that I go through in life. I give you shit within the community because outside of the community, you pass as a cis man. This is a problem and this needs to stop. So it's like when we are in the queer community, we understand that we are coming together because we, like Natalie said, we all have trouble where we're coming from. Like, for example, I pass cis a lot. You look at me like, ah, oh, to already understanding the aesthetics of gender. But in my family in Brazil, I can't be with my family. So like, for example, if somebody gives me shit for passing cis out there, like redistributes violence to me. That's a problem that keeps us all separate. So this is... Very important, you know, let's all remember that we're all here talking about this, we're all thinking gender and like, and also, the, you know, a lot of guys, very good that you're like here talking, <laughs> you know, I don't know how you identify, but I see, you know, people here, I'm, I'm wondering who here is identifying as a cis man, but very important cis man be here also, because if you want to end the oppression and all the queer people and all the femmes and all the cis women, we got to work on the source. So that's the source. That's his men. I think this is important. My brother is very toxic. Sorry, masculine. sorry. One second. Yeah. Okay. So we just have about five or so minutes left. So I just want to also make sure that people that haven't had a chance to yeah, speak sure. can jump into the circle. I'll jump off. And we can go for, um, we can continue the more like personal ones a little bit longer like if anyone wants to say in chat Anybody after let's do that let's continue the conversation but if people really want to yeah have burning things to say please step in now and take up some space thanks before i uh, go out of the of the cycle it's important for me to say even in the cultural environment how many uh, thoughts and wars are uh, done even in our community 
uh, and what I want to say, um, it is always important to see what makes us same and not what makes us uh, different, because as long we have to fight for our rights, uh, we need to be together and to fight together and to see what is it worth it, and it is our freedom to be who we are. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and I want to say something to you. Uh, Sorry. I think it's important to make the people understanding and getting what is uh, the feeling to to have a different kind of uh, desire or like uh, kind of gender. And people can be afraid. Most of the people, they are just afraid. Uh, and they don't know they are ignorant in this uh, uh, social situation, you know, or like human situation. And for example, my father, he, sometimes he has like, uh, I, I present to, I introduce to him like a friend of mine, he's homosexual. They have an amazing relation. Then he knows that he's homosexual, he has this moment of uh, distance, but then when he's feeling more comfortable, you know, like after a, a, a while, also minutes sometimes, is changing again and it's coming back to the original feeling he had. So I think people can understand. It's just that we have to speak with them in a correct way and to make them under getting it, you know, this is the, the, the big point. Uh, yes, we have to communicate, but uh, the people has to be willing to educate themselves as well. Uh, the willing of education, it's a big, big power. And as long people think that Everything is great the way how it has always been for centuries. There is no possibility for change. And for example, I have worked in companies which are based in energy. As you can see, okay, Scandinavia and so on, they have a different approach. And I had some programs which I did in Germany and they have been very, very problematic because uh, the mentality of uh, big structures of known uh, are need to be deconstructed and some of the construction need also some kind of even philosophical violence and that's how we come to the um, uh, chaos and structure I have called it uh, you have to find um, the balance between chaos and uh, structure to make people uh, follow the unknown and uh, everybody is uh, open to be more intelligent uh, than it has been before. Uh, so I really, really believe in the positive um, development of everybody. Everybody of us wants to be lucky and to understand more than you have understood uh, a half an hour ago. And we are all the, uh, the, uh, the people who have experienced it today. So that's actually really interesting because I see it also here in this event that there is um, quite some gender topics here in panels and everything. But uh, until a couple of days before, there was only male artists attending. And that is really a problem. So it actually needs an awareness to all of us and also like mainly uh, the people who create an event like this but also um, on us to uh, tell them and maybe make it public to um, change. Yeah, and now recently there is two artists, female artists who are now attending. Okay, I wanted to come back to the very topic you were talking about, the change uh, and problems that uh, institution systems are reluctant to change it, because it changes always stress 
it's uh, people resist to it. They don't know what's coming next. They don't know if it will be better or worse if they will lose something that they already have and value. And in the context of gender, it's mostly the men who are afraid to lose. The men were the, the ones who are more privileged group in this uh, patriarchal society, and they have lots of fear that they will lose a lot when, when they give the power to women. And if you look in this panel here and the other ones, I was first walking from the other side, all other panels were all mostly male and maybe one, two women. And when we came here, it's uh, the situation is quite the opposite. And even the men uh, presented here, they are rather from LGBT community or identified feminists, and it's really a problem. We have to bring the men into these uh, exchanges, into this uh, discussion. It should be understood that it's also in their benefit. Actually, the men can also win from this equality from feminism. Feminism is not against men. Actually, there are many things that uh, will be much, much better from, for men. Like, they are not having the pressure of being the breadwinner to be financially uh, so successful to provide for the whole family. Instead, there can be the two partners equally contributing and it gets a lot of pressure off the man and many other things. We have to talk uh, talk to the man, address to the man. We are all, when we talk about feminists, it's always driven by women. Uh, for, thought it's for women, yeah, and all these feminist events that talks at discussion, it's rather woman to woman and sometimes uh, LGBT community joining in. But we actually, we should start addressing actively to the men, involving the men. So men have to do the change. They are the ones resisting the change. So we have to bring them on the table. That's my take. Actually, um, it's very important that you br uh, brought this, um, this discussion because I think it goes back again to the binary. You either win or you lose. Uh, is never a win-win situation, um, and I think what we need to understand in like in this situation, when men and women uh, in the society, in the marketplace, in the workplace, wherever, is that can be actually a win-win because people bring different different perspectives, different ways of working, and that can make product society uh, much better. And I think it's funny because before the talk, uh, Natalie and I were, uh, were were talking, and we were I was saying like. I don't want a, uh, a roundtable only with women. Uh, I want men also coming in and uh, and pr uh, basically provide their perspective because I think this needs to be something that we do together. If we don't do make this systematic change together, women will always be like fighting, and we basically we have been fighting for hundreds of years to have. Um, the same access, the same opportunities, but we need men to be in this fight together. And that's why I feel like um, uh, um, initiatives like the He for She, I think is very important because like men are stepping up and say like, I want to be part of this change. I want to lead this change. And I think that's super important to, to make sure that we, we get there fast in terms of equal access and equal opportunity. Okay, cool. So I guess we've opened a bunch of cans of worms. We have to wrap it up right now. And thank you everyone for participating and thanks um, for holding a piece of clay. And hopefully, I mean, I've worked mine. Mine's become completely dry now. I don't know about you, but uh, just 
it's something that holds memory and so maybe if you can take this and you put your thoughts and ideas and feelings and stresses and whatever's come up in this session into your clay and feel free to take it with you and think about that and think about how you can make some like some ideas ac actionable and accessible to people maybe making them accessible to people that identify more as man or in the heteronormative structure and making this conversation a thing that is also inclusive for people so that we can all get on the same page somehow. I don't know if that's possible, but yeah, thank you everybody.